I think we're live as I look over at my YouTube tab to see if we're live. Hello and welcome to Postloons. I am your host, David Naylor. To my right on your screen is Carter Hoffer. Hi, Carter. How are we doing today? I'm good. How are you? We appear to actually be live. YouTube has updated for me. Hooray, hooray. So hello to all of you in the chat. Welcome to Post Loons. We're back after I haven't been on in like a month now with League Step and the break going on. So if you're new here, welcome. Um, we do this for Soda Soccer every MLS match, or at least most MLS matches. Um, we are here live about an hour after the Minnesota United game against Seattle Sounders at Alliance Field. This Sunday afternoon in sunny Minnesota, finished with a 1-1 draw. Um, you may be able to hear my son in the background. He would love to contribute to this podcast. This is what happens when we have a day game. We're, Carter, we're going to start there. What did you think of a 3.30 in the afternoon kickoff time? I love it. I still have time to do things after we're done here. <laughs> right. Like, it's it's one of those things that, like, as a parent of the two-year-old you just heard talking downstairs, this is, like, the ideal time for him to be able to go to a game. So I very much appreciate it from a family perspective. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, on the other side, it, it messes with some planning, like how I usually record this podcast after he's asleep. <laughs> uh, you know, details. But yeah, and it looked like it was a beautiful afternoon out in Minnesota this afternoon to go to a game today. So that was nice of the weather to accommodate us so nicely. So anyway, it's let's about talk- the first one that hasn't been 100 degrees outside. Right, no kidding. Like it worked out nicely after the week we had. <laughs> now that we're here to talk about the weather, but you know, that's how it goes. So finished one one, both goals from Seattle center back Yamar. That is a hilarious game. I love when that happens. Um, one goal for his team in the first half, one goal for our team in the second half. Uh, let's start with the starting lineup for this game, which happens to be one of your three things, Carter. We saw in Bongi Holangwane's absence from this game, he was listed, I believe, as questionable going into, into today, but was not in the squad at all, so was not ready to play today. Um, in his absence, we moved the ever-flexible Hassani Dotson to the right wing, who I I have lost count at this point how many different positions Dotson has played for Minnesota United. We've got to be at about six or seven at this point because he's played at least right back and center mid and left wing and right wing and left back, and I think maybe center back at one point. So I would think he's played most of them outside of goalkeeper and striker. Yeah, they haven't tried him at the nine yet, which I really, just one time. Just let me see it one time. Um, Carter, what did you think of that selection on the initial lineup? I mean, I don't mind the selection. I I love Dotson. I think it's incredible that we have a player that can play in so many different places. However, I think that sometimes uh, it shows that he really plays in every position rather than having one that he's super comfortable with. Like today in the, in the first half, I found that Dotson was shading in a ton. He was always in the midfield, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But when we're set up in that 4-2-3-1, DJ Taylor needs somebody to play off. And without Bongi there, it almost felt like he was kind of left alone a lot uh, and just kind of left to his own devices, which wasn't extremely helpful for the Loon's attack today. Um, and with Dotson finding his way inside a lot, uh, it also brought Reynoso out there. 
a ton. I saw Reynoso and DJ Taylor combine more today than I have probably the rest of the season. Um, and I really don't think that's where we want Reynoso to be. I mean, we want him to be, yes, we want him to come out there every once in a while, but more often than not, we want him central. We want him to be pinging balls left, right, center. We don't want him playing with DJ Taylor trying to get the overlap to work. And that was one of the things I noticed, particularly in the first half. It it did not feel like Reynoso was on the ball nearly as much as he usually is. Um, just because there were a lot of other people that were on the ball. Like, I kept looking as soon as, whenever the ball comes, like, center of the pitch, 25 yards away from goal, it's... Um, I look for 10 on the ball, right? Like, cause that's, mm -hmm. we're conditioned to do that. We've been doing this for a long time at this point. You look to see is 10 on the ball is, is he looking to break down defender? Is he looking to pick a pass? But then all of a sudden it's like 24 and 20 and all the, all the other squad numbers appearing there instead of the, the one you might expect to see. So it, I think part of it, like I'm going to give Seattle some credit that they um, marked they marked him out of receiving passes reasonably well, but there was also some flaw in the game plan because you have both Dotson and Rosales that are more comfortable inside than on the wing sometimes, even though we keep playing Rosales at left wing. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I, I'm interested in how that works. Like I, I went to pull up Reynoso's position map on the passing network from this game, and it's still central and forward as you might expect it to be, but it's, it's not what I would be looking for, shall we say. He definitely had his opportunities to play in what we expect. In the second half, for sure, Reynoso was all over the ball. He was making a lot of the opportunities. We played a very good second half, I feel, and I thought that we really started to gel offensively in that second half, uh, especially after the introduction of those substitutions. Um, but you can't rely on one half of football. You need to be able to play strong in both halves, and you can't just keep your main playmaker out of a whole half of football. Yeah. And like, that was, that was the frustrating thing about the first half is like, I keep looking for Reynoso to be on the ball. He's not on the ball. Like they're, they were playing some other good creative players and to their credit, they created some decent chances in the first half, including one that we're going to talk about in a little bit. Um, but it, it didn't feel right. If that makes <laughs> sense. Like, um, yeah. So I want to talk about another piece of the starting lineup and give a positive note. Uh, I was really impressed with Jan Gregish playing 90 minutes mm -hmm. today and just coming right out and being ready to go because of the rearrangements elsewhere. Because while Rosales and Dotson, you can put in other places on the field to get them on the pitch, Gregish, I can't see doing that, knowing him as we have for a few years now. So... I was, I did not expect him to start like at all for Minnesota in his return. I expect him to be, be a bench player. So for him to come in just ready to go and play 90 solid minutes today, I was very, very impressed with him and very glad to have him in the back, even if playing four central midfielders is our solution to the problem at this point. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we're going to play four central midfielders more of the season, I expect we'll see a lot of great. Right. No kidding. <laughs> like that's. I don't think that's how the the four and a three four three is supposed to work. Not or like a like a four three three. I don't or four 
Is it four four two if they're all central midfielders? I think it is, and I think they just really like get really close. They're like link arms and just run through people. I'm picturing the four of them doing a little conga line right now, and it's a good <laughs> it's a good image in my head because just just everything about that just works. You you yeah. Just, nope, I'm done talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> so the I I want to move to your second point because it gets at how this game started so Minnesota, your second point you can go ahead <laughs> yeah so I thought Minnesota started off really strong we had a majority of the possession in that first 15 minutes we were getting into Seattle's attack well we were getting into our attacking third Seattle's defending third uh we were putting balls into the box we were attempting to find people we weren't really finding people there were a lot of missed connections I feel in that first team first 15 minutes that I thought would have led to a much stronger uh, opening to the game, stronger than what we already had. And um, one that may have even found us a goal. I feel like something was just missing there. I would see, and the players would see this final pass and they'd leave it just a little short. They'd send it just a little less. They'd send it just a little long. They weren't really connecting. And I'm not sure what was causing that obviously. Um, but we had every opportunity in the world. It almost felt like we were just getting to the end line and praying that our final cross or our final pass was going to find someone rather than specifically finding someone in there for that final pass, maybe taking a couple extra passes, taking a little bit extra time to just be something that actually works rather than a hope and a prayer. And we really should have. What what was frustrating too was that, I was a little bit late to the start of the game, so I started like right around the 10th minute. And as soon as I turned it on, Minnesota's like not just in the attacking there, but they're like in Seattle's box for like three minutes straight. Like great, like half quarter chances, like nothing, nothing memorable, right? Like no, oh gosh, we whiffed on this chance, but just a lot of stuff moving around, like just outside the six yard box, a lot of good player movement, a lot of good passing around the outside of the box, but nothing clicks. And then, immediately Seattle's first attack down in their box scores from Yamar just immediately. And it's like, that's the difference is you can make use out of your time in that attacking third where Minnesota squandered their time in the attacking third in one way or another. Yeah. I mean, and the worst part was that he was just left open, wide open, wide open box hole about five yards in front of him. And then, Tapias was stuck behind another attacker, I believe. Like he, he had Yamar had position on Tapias mm-hmm. and Boxy, I who I love dearly and hate to hate to dump on. We're gonna dump on him a little bit this podcast. Um kind of stood there and ball washed instead of finding his guy. Like it's it looks probably worse than it actually was on the replay because he could just kind of stood there and got headed over, which you hate to see, honestly. So in regards to Minnesota's attack, I want to grab a comment that we're getting a common theme from. So I'm going to pull up a comment from Dave Valensky here. Shout out to Dave for your patience. Um, I know this was listed as a 6.15 start time. It was pushed back to 6.30 on Twitter, and I had to eat dinner, so it's now at 6.45. Um, <laughs> we got Pookie, but where is the party? Seriously, with his caliber of play in the Premier League and the English Champions League, he should be doing in the championship, I assume. He should be doing a lot better in the MLS. Fair or foul? Oh, that's absolutely fair. And I think that we saw it in, um, I believe it was his initial, either his first game or the second one, 
where he had that combination with Reynoso just took down the field and had his first goal. So we've seen that he has the quality to do it here. He just hasn't really done it. He's, um, he's not playing hold up in a way that is helpful with the wingers. He's not finding people. He's not working off of people. Uh, Pookie really just hasn't, I don't know if he hasn't found his step with his group yet. And he started off a little stronger and we're expecting him to be there already. Or if he's just really not fitting in with the system as a whole, if he's just not, if it's just not his kind of system. The the argument that I have made previously in Pookie's defense on this program and elsewhere is that his presence on the field creates more space for Minnesota's other attackers to operate in. I am going to give some of Bongi's credit for his enormous outburst in League's Cup to Timu Pookie being on the field. Even if Bongi was took his chances very well and was available for the chances and scored a whole bunch of goals, which is great. I don't think it's arguable that Pookie also being like right there didn't pull some defensive attention away from Bongi, who obviously doesn't exactly have the previous track record as a goal scorer that Pookie, who scored a bunch of goals in the Premier League, has. So I I don't know how long that's going to continue to hold true, right? Because in this game, you don't have Bongi, and you have the midfielders moving around. And I, like, one of the first things I remember from that early period of dominance is Pookie ends up with the ball out on the wing. Like, why are you out there and not in the box? And that that was weird to me. So I, I kind of wonder if he also felt some of the positional weirdness today with the central midfielders as wingers. Um, Just, like, I, I don't know what it was, but some of the – it did not feel like he got very much of the ball, whether or not he was supposed to or not today for one reason or another. See, And I think the most important thing going forward is – what happens now that people realize that Longwani is this massive threat? Does Pookie find the ball more often? Does he get the chance to just show his um, show his class to the Minnesota United faithful? Is he going to be able to put these things away now that presumably he will have more space off of the ball? For sure. So I like I, I find it hard to pass judgment on him now because I really thought he did a good job despite not scoring in League's Cup. Um, but I agree that we're going to need to see more because I bring up a stat from Dan O here, 0.27 goals and assists in all comps for Pookie. This needs to get better. So, like, he's not even getting chances, right? And I feel like that's, do you blame the system more than the player when the player's not getting chances? I think that's as fair as anything. Yeah, I mean... Or I guess that's probably goals and assists for 90. Yeah, that's... Yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of it wrong. Rather than chances. Because yeah, he's yeah, probably yeah. still getting those chances. And if he's not, why isn't he getting a position? I'd be a lot of attacking prowess. This, this is where I'm going to complain about a League's Cup thing. So we didn't do post-loons a lot during League's Cup or would have complained about this already. Um, League's Cup stats are almost impossible to get anything useful from. They're, they have one stat site that has no way to scroll or sort stats at all. So I haven't been able to really get any meaningful data from League's Cup games. And for Pookie, right, I'd love to be able to see, for example, how many much XG he's created over his span of play in a Minnesota uniform. But I can't do that 
because MLS in their infinite wisdom is tracking that completely separately in a totally inaccessible place. I know that stat exists. I just have no way to find it. So like, that's the, that's the takeaway I'd like to take a look at is like, is he actually getting the chances to convert? And I don't think just looking at the what three or four MLS games he's played at this point is a fair sample. It's definitely just a very small sample size. So I absolutely will give him the season. I have no problem giving him the rest of the season. While we're going through the lineup, uh, K-City in the comments will bring this up. Thoughts on Ethan uh, Bristow? Is that right? I think that's how it's pronounced. Um, Bristow, this was his – he started last week too, didn't he? Yep, this is his second start. Second start, first start at home. So what did you think about Bristow's performance today? He played like 70 minutes, I want to say? Yeah, it was around there. I thought he played well. I certainly have no complaints about the performance. He didn't do anything really bad on the defensive side. Uh, he was able to get forward into the attack like we want our fullbacks to do. Um, obviously, we'd like to see him like create something, but I don't think that's something you can expect from your fullback every single game, unless they're like Alexander-Arnold or just – Top of the line, maybe Hakimi. Um, so I think yeah. that, is that the is that the example you want to make today? <laughs> it's the one that came into my head, so we'll get there. <laughs> we'll find someone else eventually. <laughs> um, so yeah, I thought he had a very solid performance. I don't think he's in danger of losing his spot by any means. I yeah, I, I same. And that one of one of my uh, we've gotten to one of my three points, which was the switch off, but. Another one would be like, I honestly thought Minnesota did a really good job defensively this game. You have the one real obvious error, which is the goal they gave up to Yamar, which we talked about already. But like Seattle really didn't get much against Minnesota's defense this game. Dane had had made two saves, I want to say. Seattle had two shots on target, two off target. So they only had... Two on target, two off target, two blocks. Only six shots the entire game. And I thought the back four and the defensive part of Minnesota's lineup did work to perfection. And that, I thought, was one of the credits to Hassani the winger. Is Hassani the winger tracks back really well because Hassani the winger used to be Hassani the right back. So, like, it, you have a really solid defensive lineup with that. And it resulted in, like, I think Seattle got held under one XG for the entire game and really – only had three chances that registered for anything in the entire second half. So, like, that's one of my big points. It's huge credit to Minnesota's defense, right? One error, but locked it down the entire second half. So, massive, massive credit to the whole back line, including Bristow. Oh, absolutely. And, I mean, that's what you want. Seattle's, I I believe they're currently second in the West. So, if you can keep them that low... You're going to keep yourself in a lot of games, especially when it comes to the playoffs, which is just knockout football. Just get in the way. Don't let somebody score. You're doing exactly what you need to do in that situation. The problem and obviously is getting like, into the playoffs. Well, and it, and it's then not having nights like uh, Nashville dropping five on you in a tournament mm-hmm. setting. Speaking of knockout settings, because that was not as great of a showing from Minnesota's defense that happened not too long ago. Now, Seattle is currently third in the West, tied with RSL on um, 37 points. So still, like, a te- a point against the team above you in the table, even if it's at home. I To to talk, to bring up the point, Paul Forrester's brought the point, and I want to talk about this point. 
Paul Forrester says two points dropped. Agree or disagree? Disagree. I also disagree. But I don't think I see you can the say argument is. I don't. I don't think you can say two points dropped if your only goal is an own goal and you really didn't have that many chances to put one away. Like absolutely the goal we let off was a stinker, but I don't think we deserve to have three points. I think we deserve to tie, absolutely. I don't think we deserve to lose. But I I have a very hard time saying that we deserved all three points from today's game just watching how we attack. So I can present the counter argument. Um yeah. United created twice the XG of Seattle in this game. They took 16 shots to Seattle's six and had four on target. Stefan Fry made a few couple good saves. Um, the only problem with viewing it from that approach is then we go look at the chances. And Minnesota's two biggest chances by XG in this game, both were Michael Boxel, which, again, I love Boxy to death. He doesn't have the greatest goal-scoring record for Minnesota United, and there's probably a reason for that. Um, he, I, I, Jer, a uh, friend of the program, Jeremy, was at postgame media coverage for Soda Soccer and was at the match today. To quote Boxall from postgame media, he royally fucked up his goal scoring chance in the first half. That was a whole 0.6 XG all on its own. And he, he did. That's, that's a true statement. Cause that was, open header three feet from goal. <laughs> that was easier than Yamar's chance. Every person in that stadium and every person watching that game thought that was going in. Which is why, like, to, to argue both sides again, I agree that you can't be too mad about um, a result getting a point in a game where your only goal is an own goal. However, if we just say Boxy's goal went in and Yamar didn't score an own goal... We'd be looking at this game differently. <laughs> we would. And honestly, that own goal was it was very well created by Reynoso. He put it in a perfect position. Yamar didn't really have a choice other than to play it, and he wasn't really in a position to play it because Boxy was free there too. Yep. Boxy was going to have a chance at that goal too. He was going to he was going to put that one away too. I I can tell. I I think Boxy might be practicing some different things this week as usual because yeah like that if you count that he had like three golden chances at goals today, which is unusual, <laughs> but if if that's how it's gonna work maybe we need to work on the finishing a little bit because we'll take those. <laughs> um, yeah like the the set piece for me now so like we know what he can do in the set pieces it's magical and he was in pretty good form on those kind of all night. The corner kicks were going to good places and just getting cleared out of the way. And the set piece created the goal, did exactly what it needed to do. Um, to present the manager's counter argument, Keith said he thought they deserved a better, they thought they deserved a better result and specifically praised Hassani and Joseph Rosales to cater to our earlier points. So, you know, there you have it from the manager. So we're going to pause real quick to acknowledge some sponsors and encourage you to support us in several different ways. If you are enjoying Carter and I being here this evening 
and you enjoy reading our content, including post-game coverage from Jeremy that you'll be able to find probably tomorrow morning, and many, many other things, you can take the next step by directly supporting us at patreon.com slash sodasoccer for as low as $3 per month. It gets you lots of good stuff. It's a good thing to do, and it helps us get paid for being here, which is great, and I appreciate The other thing, we appreciate our sponsors at Better Edge. Have you ever wished there would be a website that would allow you to make bets, bets with your friends? The days of using cash to make one-to-one bets are over, my friends. Better Edge, a Minneapolis-based company, has revolutionized the social sports betting scene, allowing their users to bet with or against each other on NBA, NHL, MLB, and soccer combination competitions like the Premier League, Champions League, and, of course, Major League Soccer. That's what you're all here for. They also offer weekly pick'em competitions like our very own MLS Pick'em, where you can bet real money or edge coin, play money, and make your picks for the weekend's games. Better Edge is not a sports book that profits off of your loss. You don't bet against Better Edge, you bet against other users on the platform, which is why it's legal to use in Minnesota and 46 other states nationwide. Sign up today and get a free $20 in your account when you visit betoredge.com slash loons right there and create your account. Again, use betoredge.com slash loons to sign up and get $20 in your account today, courtesy of our friends at Better Edge. There you have it. What else caught your eye from this game? You had a third point. What was your third point? Yeah, I think it's important. Um, so I know there's a lot of people out there that get upset with Heath not making his substitutions, and I am absolutely one of them. So I think it's important to point out when he does make those substitutions and when they do well. And I was, I liked his substitutions today. It was nice seeing Tajori Tajori Shradi Shradi. I don't. I believe it's Shradi. Shradi. I thought he looked great today when he came on. He had an instant impact. He really provided the loons with that attacking cohesion that I thought was missing in the first half when he came on. Uh, he had a banger of a shot as we were pulling up that comment right there. It was fantastic. And if it was anyone other than Fry, it might have gone in. So I thought that was great. It was nice seeing Sangbin and Garcia get brought in, even if they didn't really do a ton with their time. It's nice seeing Heath try new things with his attack as it gets later into the game. So just at least chasing the game and trying to get that three points is something that you absolutely want to see from your team. I really hoped that Mender was going to look better tonight. I was optimistic about him since he did get a goal last week, lest we forget, um, to seal off that game in New York. I just... Every I've said this on 80 gazillion podcasts. Anytime a striker actually gets a goal to go in the net when they've been in a bad run of form, it should help the confidence a good bit. And I I hoped that Mender might be in better form tonight. He wasn't, and that's okay. I'm interested in Songbin. I don't know. It feels like he's played... Early in the season, he played on those wing spots that were taken by Rosales and Dotson tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm a little interested in where he's currently at in the pecking order. If he has a more natural fit, I'd argue to those positions wasn't preferred to them. So I, again, like he, he had a couple moments that were like, he dribbled, he made a nice dribble move and got all the way to the touchline, but had a heavy touch and it just went straight out of bounds. Like that was like the fragments of a good move and a good idea that he has the technique and skill to do. 
but it didn't come off. So I, I'm still in on it. I'm just interested in, like, is he going to get more time to try and work out some of those kinks? We'll see. Yeah, it was very it – was, it was just intriguing to see Dotson start when you have Sang Ben, who has played on the wing, and I would argue that ITF also has looked very good on the wing um, in his cameo appearances. I would love to see him get a start at some point, just really give him a full 60, 70, 80, 90, see what he can do on the field. Yeah, it'd, it'd be interesting. I'm I'm sure at this point he's he signed about the same time Pookie did, so about almost two months ago now. That would be because it started July. So mm-hmm. I'd imagine he's match fit to go a longer time, as far as I would know. But we'll have to see because that Heath hasn't shown any in, indication that he would want to do that. Which again, it's hard to read the manager's mind from our positions here in our respective living quarters. Can't quite do it from here. Um, other comments from Heath from post game. Uh, didn't seem concerned with Ray pulling up a couple times. Just sounds like he's playing through some pain and discomfort. Which it's August in an MLS season that's had even more games than usual. So he and he gets beat the crap out of him every game he plays, basically, because that's how opponents mm-hmm. play. Him, so I'm not surprised by that. Um. Thought they could have done better than defending the Seattle goal. Specifically mentioned they had multiple chances to clear the ball ahead of it. I strongly agree with that. There, I I don't think it was that play, but there was a play that DJ Taylor kept a ball in that led to a Seattle chance. That it was like, why did you do that? I yeah, I saw that on just as it was happening. I I don't understand the logic to that, especially since he put it right into the 18 yard box. It's not right like into he the kept box. It in like, he didn't do anything. The line. It. it was right there. They were like, here's a, here's a chance, here's an attack for you. <laughs> I hated everything about that. So like, I don't think I don't think that was the one that was on the goal, but that was like right after the goal, and I'm like, I hate this. Don't do that. <laughs> um, a bongi update for those of you missing the bongi tonight. Day to day, which expected since he was listed as questionable for this game, may be ready for Wednesday, but if not, he'll probably play on Saturday. So. Day-to-day is day-to-day. We'll keep an eye on it. They do have a quick turnaround, which will be the next thing we talk about for um, Colorado on Wednesday. But that's about that. And then we already talked about Boxy. So that's all the quotes we have from post-game. Colorado at home on Wednesday. Short turnaround, so we might see some rotation. That, since we've already talked about some of the changes we could possibly make to this lineup... You wonder if we see if Bongi's healthy, we probably see Bongi play or either off the bench or start, depending on how fit he's feeling. But you could see an ICS, you could see a Sungbin. You could theoretically, if you wanted to see Mender instead of Pookie and maybe like make that trade at halftime so that you keep the workloads lighter for both of them, that's a change you could see. However, to make my opening statement here, Colorado is the worst team in the West. You're playing at home. Tonight was one point, and I'm not going to argue that it was two points dropped. If you don't win on Wednesday, we have a problem. That's it. That's all. Yeah, I, like, I mean, this is a must-win. You, it absolutely is. But I mean, with our home form, is home field that much of an advantage right now? We've got what two wins on the season at home? Two. That's more than Colorado has at home, which doesn't help us here. But 
say, what's Colorado looking like away? Uh, two, seven, and three, which, if you're keeping score, is, uh, believe that's better than Minnesota's home record. Well, we've gotten a lot of draws at home. Two, two, and seven. Mm-hmm. Jesus, seven draws at home. Like, yeah, and I believe that's. Oh, we're eight, eight, and eight now. So, <laughs> so I, yeah, it's, yeah, it's eight, seven draws at home. So we did, we've. We've been dropping points at home, but not losing a lot. Colorado's been losing a lot everywhere. So, I yeah, like, the Rapids have the worst attack in the West by a lot. They have one of the worst defenses in the West. You, they're really bad. You need to win that game. Just need to straight win up. Game. I, yeah, they. I, I don't know how else to slice it. Like they're they're the they're really bad, really 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 bad. So I, it's a game that in theory, if you were feeling more confident with your attack and your team, you could rotate more people, and play for the second half. In theory, I will be interested to see how confident Heath is feeling going into that game, in terms of the lineup he puts out. Bring up a viewer comment from uh, any big blue. Who would you see ITS start over? Rosales or Dotson or Gregish off Dotson in midfield? How would you slice that? What, what's your lineup for Wednesday? Let's put it that way. I think that we don't change the back four. I think the back four is working fine. I don't think that's something you need to mess with. Obviously, Dane stays in goal. I think that Trap for sure is in that midfield. I can definitely see an argument for either Dotson or Gregus in that midfield next to him. We've seen the dots and trap experiment before. It works sometimes, it doesn't other times. There's a reason that Dotson doesn't really get starts in that midfield. Um, but I think if you're rotating the squad, if you're like trust your team enough, I think you can put Dotson in that midfield with trap. And I think you start ITS on the right wing and then you can leave Rosales on the left because even though Rosales is more of a midfielder, he does play super well on the wing. Like, I prefer him in the midfield, but he plays extremely well on that wing. He's able to make these runs into the box. He still somehow makes those late arriving runs that he makes as a midfielder on the wing. So I don't think that you drop Rosales. And then I think you have to start Pookie at striker. I think you let Pookie have the first 45 and Bender the second 45 if you rotate in that way, if you try and get each of them a half of football. Because we want Pookie to just get in there eventually. We want him to gel with the guys. We want him to score some goals. Just really bring the pookie party to Allianz Field. Yeah, like, and it, it's like, this, this is a game that, like, I wouldn't say this would be, like, dropping him if he didn't start this game. Mm-hmm. But it it's an opportunity to maybe have him be a second-half sub because there's always the concept of, one of Pookie's things is he's real fast and he's real good at running at a back line. So playing him in the second half when there's tired legs might not be the worst thing in the world. I'm just saying. Like, I think that there could be something there. And it's like, you could play, you could even do the thing that previous hosts of this podcast and people on this podcast have advocated for and play Song Bin up top mm-hmm. at Striker, which he hasn't gotten to do like ever. Yeah, so. Again, I don't know if the team feels that way, but in theory, he's a nine. So there's that. Or like 
yeah, I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't do Mender more than a half. But it it's kind of just like which half do you want, which hat which striker to be on if you look at it that way. Because other than that, I I agree. I think I would do Dotson Trap in the midfield. I I wrote about this like a month ago, so I don't know if the stats are accurate, but Dotson Trap is actually Minnesota's best point scoring midfield starting pairing on the season, which I did not expect when I did that research because I did not think they passed the eye test as well as I thought, but they've gotten more points in dots and trap games than, it, than any other midfield pairing. So I, it's it's what the numbers said, and obviously Gregish was not a part of that. So he yeah. adds a different element to this, and I liked how the trap Gregish pairing looked. So if we wanted to keep that the same and go with it for another week, it, it's kind of do you want to rotate here or do you want to rotate next Saturday? Because I know Heath has done this before and I kind of hope he doesn't. I don't think you can play the same starting group all three games for 270 minutes this week. You just kind of, that's it's a bad idea. Don't do it. So it's, do you rotate your, do you rotate this game or do you rotate on the road in San Jose on Saturday night? And I would say this game is the game that you maybe rotate with a Saturday game in mind. So like maybe even you do Dodgson Gregush and give Trap a game off because he's played a lot. <laughs> like, I'm not sure that's what I would do, but this is a situation where I could see that being on the table. Do you see any games in those three where Reynoso gets a day off? Like, this would be the one where if if there's an argument for, like, starting your gangbusters best 11, it's so that you get three goals in the first half, take Reynoso off at at halftime. Like, that would be the dream for that. They still don't have anybody who I would play at the 10 instead of him. So, like, that's the problem if you do that, is do you play Songbin at the 10 where he was before Reynoso came back? in a situation where that and, like, have Reynoso on the bench and do the, like, bring on the goon squad at, at 60 minutes and bring Reynoso and Pookie on as your first set of subs. Like, they've done that before in games like this, so I could see it, but it it's the same problem it's been for a while. Reynoso is such a critical part of the team that, like, it's hard mm-hmm. to see that, even if he, he probably could use the rest. So if they could get away with it, rest him. And as, as Heath said, he's dealing with stuff because it's the time of the season where you're dealing with stuff. So it would certainly not hurt if they could afford to get him a rest. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, I just think that I just think that Colorado might be the only game that we could even feasibly not have him for the right. whole thing with our remaining 10 games. I mean, we have some – I think most of the people left on this are playoff contenders right now outside of the Galaxy. You you have the this this Colorado San Jose is like the Quakes. Forget where they're at in the table. I think six. Yeah. The MLS Woods are really slow. So they're they're not like the 13th, 14th quakes of years past, right? They're, they're a real team. Mm -hmm. So that's not like, see, yeah. Like San Jose, like 
it's not like Colorado is on Wednesday. Like that's a real actual test for you. Then you have New England who are high in the table in the Eastern Conference, but are dealing with their own instability right now, which is rough. But and then you have SKC who owns us. Then you have the Galaxy who are bad. Then you have St. Louis who's awesome, but who we beat earlier this season. San Jose again, LAFC who's really good. Galaxy who are really bad. And then Sporting KC again. So it's yeah, as as you said, it the problem is like SKC is the other bad team we play, and that doesn't go well for us because they're Never three does. points behind us. People, it's and it's just bad every time except that one time, which was really good. But yeah, I, the other one you could make an argument for is SKC at home, and I can't in good conscience do that. Like, it just nope. Got to start the strongest one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll bring up any big blues um suggestion. Four four two against Colorado to give Ray a rest. I could try it. Like like that's the kind of what thing where like, look like so if we do if so same back four. Mm-hmm. And then on the assumption so so Reynoso is out of this picture. Um mm-hmm. I would go trap Gregouche in the midfield because I want Gregouche on set pieces with Reynoso out of the lineup. Um, I would... Honestly, I'd still probably go Rosales-Dotson on those wings in the four. I Because then I would do... Or, like, I guess maybe... No, I want I want Dotson on the field more than I want ITS on the field. That's the problem. Like, I don't want to bench Dotson because yeah. he's that stuff. And like that's where I'd play ITS is in that right wing slot. But I don't want to bench Dotson, so I'm going to play Dotson there. So like keep that eight all the same as tonight. But then I'd play um, Songbin and Puki up top as the two. So it functionally would be almost exactly the same lineup as tonight, except Song went for Reynoso and shift what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yours? I would say it's similar to that. I think I might be willing to bench Dotson and bring him on basically anywhere in that lineup in order to get ITS on. Uh, just because I, I do want ITS to get some more minutes. I want him yeah. to get the start. He's looked, I don't think he's put a foot wrong since he came here and came on. I don't think he's done anything that's been bad. I think he's made chances. He scored that goal. So I really do want to see him. So I think I'd put him in at that right midfield. And I think it I think a four four two would look better with our four midfielders on the field than a four two three one. But I also don't think I don't see us ever doing it. I they Heath did it like once ever. Mm-hmm. And it I'm pretty sure in that game it looked more like a four two three one anyway. Because like even if even if you put up the lineup I said there, it's gonna look like a four through three one that's not been at the ten. Like, yeah. <laughs> even regardless of what I say, it is that's what it's gonna look like. So like, I can try. The three five two is the one that they played in the past that's more interesting. And mm-hmm. I don't, I they don't have this personnel for that right now because I don't want to play Brent Coleman in the back three because we've done that or yeah or Debassi. Is he not back yet? Is he or you just don't think he'd be a back three guy? Like they, 
I'm trying to remember when they did this because it was this was like beginning of last season, I want to say, and it like kind of worked a little bit, but it was it it was weird because like you, the the roles for the three center backs and the back three are so much different to play with that you've got to get good at that. I think they played a back three in the um, open cup game. I saw. I think they played the back three against Philadelphia. Yeah, I didn't even I think, think about they did. That. It was interesting because obviously Coleman was in there and yep. he was playing the center center back and he well he, that's back. where he has to play if you do that you have to have Tapias and Boxy on his outsides and Coleman at the center one if you do but it was that interesting I seeing him as that pivot because I don't think Coleman yep. could be that center back pivot I don't like him in any of the three roles that's the problem yeah yeah like I I'm fine with Common in, in in a pairing in a back four. I don't mm-hmm. like him in a back three because they mm-hmm. they've done this on and off in Common's extensive tenure with the club, and I've just never liked how he fits in it as a player. Where like in in a back two, fine, like that works. But we've gotten deeper into the squad depth of Minnesota United than I expected us to this evening, talking about Brent Common's form, Brent Common's utility in a back three. <laughs> we've we've traveled a distance. Well, I'd say he's probably Any the other only one that doesn't have a chance to start. Everyone else we've talked about sure. easily. Was he even in the squad tonight? I have this up. No, he. Sure. Oh yeah, he was. He and Debassi both were. No. They could also like you have, you know. I wonder if we see Zarek Valentin on Wednesday. I bet that's a change we actually get because he's played on and off this year. Mm-hmm as a rotational option. That's, I just don't he's know. Like if he, the one, he's the one person we haven't talked about that was in the in the 18, well, 20 for today. Yeah, I just don't see – I don't see you taking off Risto. He had a great game. I don't think you want to, like, pull him after a game like this. And I don't think DJ Taylor is going to get taken off for Zarek Balancing. Yeah, that we've talked about that on this program before. That's it's hard to find the balance for Valentine to fit with the personnel we have, which is unfortunate because he's been really good when he's played. But mm-hmm. so, like, that's just another. That's been a rotation option that Heath has done in previous games this year is play Valentine instead of one of the, the one of the outside backs. So that could be on the table, but I don't expect it. Um, yeah, Michael Jacobson. Yes, we have talked about Pookie being disappointing so far. I'm sorry you missed it. it. Yep, it is what it is. We're going to hope for buckets on Wednesday because if there's ever an opponent that's right for the picking for a striker that wants to fill their boots, it's the Colorado Rapids. Mm. Or at least it should be. Yeah. I'm not <laughs> Any results from elsewhere in MLS that drew your eye this evening? We were the only game that played this evening. Oh, yeah, this afternoon. Any results from yesterday that drew your eye, shall we say? Um, I actually had a very busy day yesterday, so I wasn't able to see anything. But David, what did you see? So I I, I will point out Kansas City three nothing San Jose in regards to looking ahead to the weekends, um, and to future games because SKC have started to look like themselves again, which makes the playoff race even more complicated, which is unfortunate because. Mm-hmm. They've got two head-to-head. Them and San Jose both have two head-to-head games against us to go, which is – we'll see how that goes. Um, <laughs> another interesting one was uh, Salt Lake going down 3 nothing at home to the Houston Dynamo, who keep looking like a real team, and it's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I feel like there's 
I feel like there's a lot of teams this year that are just good. I don't think there's really very many bad teams. I think there's a couple, but there's a lot of parity across the league this season. It's nice to see, but also scary to see. Well, and it's Seattle is the only one of the top four teams in the West in the West this weekend that didn't lose. Because you you have Salt Lake who lost to Houston, you have St. Louis who lost in Orlando, and you have LAFC who lost in Charlotte, which is interesting. I know I did not catch that game, but that's a very interesting result to just see. <laughs> so yeah, if Seattle had lost all the top four, then West would have lost this weekend, and that would have been fun. But you know, we didn't do it. We didn't quite do it for them. Unfortunate. All right. Uh, do you have anything else you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about Chelsea? No. We played well. Talk about <laughs> we we talk also about won. What? It was satisfying. Tot- yeah, Tottenham also won. Game. It was very satisfying. You don't want to talk about Tottenham? No. <laughs> You've been doing good. Good on you. Hope you're happy for once. I, for once, it's, it's real nice to feel something again. <laughs> Uh, for, for context, um, Carter and I were at a bar to watch Chelsea lose last weekend, and it was very satisfying for me. <laughs> I enjoyed it deeply. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was something that happened. Uh, anyway. Check it out on Luton. Poor Hatter. <laughs> That's about all I've got for the weekend. You got anything else? No. I think we, we made our rounds. We got, into the, we got into Brent Coleman. <laughs> We got into Brent Coleman. Like we we've been down down through the weeds and back. It's time to be done. So thank you to uh, Better Edge for sponsorship this evening. Thank you to Soda Soccer for organizing us and being the host for this uh, and being where we are. So if you want to support, support Soda Soccer anymore, Patreon.com/slash/SodaSoccer as low as three dollars per month. And that's about all we got. So, yeah, check out written content. Uh, Jeremy will, I assume, have a recap of this game up either tonight or tomorrow that you can check out. I'll be looking forward to reading his thoughts to see if they align with ours or not. I'll probably I'll have a piece up this week about something, probably about Timu Puki, since that seems to be a point of discussion right now. And, yeah, Cardi, you working on anything else for the site? Not currently. Not currently, but look forward to it. There's always something that can come up, and there's always content to be written about in the Minnesota soccer world. So that'll have it. You can follow us on socials. You see them below. Yeah, I thank you. Thank you, Any Big Blue. That's right. We didn't talk about the state of Iowa once this program. I love it. And thank, <laughs> hey, thank God. I We don't need to talk about that state. <laughs> see, you're feeling in nicely. There we go. All right. That's how we're signing off. Hey, I'm wearing my <laughs> Minneapolis city. I'm repping the proper here. <laughs> we're go. going. All right. This has been Post Loons. I'm Jacob. That's uh, I'm not Jacob. What am, <laughs> you confused me. <laughs> I'm David. That's oh. Carter. I need to get off of here. We're done. Good night. <laughs> Good night. <laughs>